Welcome back to Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old leather jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history, fantastic stories, and amazing personalities of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. Last week, we spent our time in the fall of 1979, exploring that season's champions and near misses, and looking at the year as a watermark in Nebraska high school sports. This year, we fast forward in our prep history time machine to the winter of that school year, March of 1980. But those big issues we discussed last week are still alive, making this, 1979 and 1980, the gateway to the modern era of Nebraska sports. We'll see that the football's playoff system has already expanded into basketball and will provide wild cards for the Class A state tournaments. We'll see more influence from Title IX as the girls' basketball and track championships continue to grow. And we'll see more examples of the growing pressure for athletes to compete year-round. Beyond all that, though, remember, 79-80 was a fantastic year of great games and great champions. So let's jump in the time machine and visit a very new Bob Devaney Sports Center on the Nebraska campus on Saturday night, March 15, 1980. Warming up on the floor are the two same high schools that we watched last week play the Class A football title game, Lincoln East and Omaha Westside. They are the two best teams in the state, two teams that fans have been hoping to see matched up throughout the season. They are also two of the most fashionable teams in the state, both sporting hip, untucked jerseys in the Marquette style, east in white, west side in black. Will coach Paul Forsch and his Spartans match the success of their football schoolmates, or will west side and coach Tom Hall and his Warriors turn the tables? Before the ball is tipped, let's step back and see how this winter season unfolded to bring us to this point on the basketball floors and beyond. Back in November as the winter season began, the Omaha Northwest Huskies were the defending state basketball champs. But All-Stater Leo Crawford and seven others from the class of 1979 have moved on. Coach Dick Coe, though, has a rising star in sophomore Ron Kellogg. As we teased last week, though, having a rising star sophomore in 1980 is not unusual in Nebraska. At Creighton Prep, Kerry Trotter is back after being the first freshman to score in a Class A state tournament since Fred Hare of Omaha Tech in 1960. Out west, in Grant, a skinny sophomore named Bill Jackman was one of the five underclassmen to see the floor when the Plainsman nearly upset the Lions juggernaut in the semifinals of Class C in 79, falling just short. 70 to 65. And at Omaha Benson, a 6'8", not done growing yet, 10th grader named Dave Hoppen is starting to draw some attention. And they aren't the only ones. The basketball class of 82 will change basketball in the state forever. I'm sure we'll suit up with them in a future episode. For now, I'll leave it with one final note. The papers report that Trotter and Kellogg played AAU basketball together several summers, again showing that the role of off-season competition is starting to play a bigger and bigger role in Nebraska high school sports. As the first polls appear in January, Lincoln High and Coach Aldi Johnson are the only Class A undefeateds. 
They are keyed by their big front line of Derek Hull, Bill Swilliga, and John Matsky. Veteran coach Johnson knows it's way too early for the number one ranking to mean much. He tells Omaha Raider Larry Porter, when you're at the top of the heap, you're still part of the heap. And lurking just below are a pair of one-loss teams fresh from football success, Lincoln East and Westside. And their stars aren't sophomores. Warrior guard Dean Thompson is the sweetest shooter in the state, while 6'7 Spartan Alex Strivens is the state's top recruiting target. In December, the Lynx clipped Westside in the capital city 61-57, and the Warriors got the best of prep in the Metro Conference Final to dictate the opening ratings. In Class B, C, and D, the ratings are still feeling the effects of the undefeated champions in each class in 1979. In B, the Norris win streak is still intact and climbing. The Titans will hold the number one ranking through the district final, where they are upset by Crete. In this era of only Class A wildcards, that's the end of the line. A couple weeks later, Coach Jerry Schmutty will take the head job at his alma mater, Nebraska Wesleyan, and the first Norris Golden Era will end with the 1979 Basketball and Football Championships. Among the other early season undefeateds, the contenders to take the throne seemed to be two teams that fell to Norris at State in 79, Aurora and Elkhorn Mount Michael, and a team that missed the tournament, Hardington Cedar Catholic. In Class C, Hemingford is undefeated and on top. They faced the same problem they did in 1979, though, when they rolled through 23 straight wins. Grant looms in the district final. Jackman and the young gun plainsmen are right behind, as is Lyons, though only 6'8 Jim Goings returns from the Lions' big names of last season. In Class D, Philly rolls on, building on their 27-0 record from 79. They haven't dropped a contest since the 1978 state semifinal when Polk got the better of them. Polk is strong again in 80 and looks to challenge the champs along with Humphrey and Cambridge. All four are undefeated early. On the girls' side, Omaha Marion took the early ratings lead in Class A by winning the Metro Holiday, while Lincoln High and outstate teams Grand Island and Kearney looked to be the early competition. In Class B, the Ashland Blue Jays rolled through a couple months undefeated and held the number one ranking despite having never qualified for state before. By mid-February, classes C and D had just three undefeated squads left. Howells, Omaha Cathedral, and North Bend in C, and Dalton Layton, Decatur, and Sumner Eddyville Miller in D. State wrestling returned to the Bob Devaney Sports Center in late February, and the Columbus Discoverers again owned the Class A mat. It was their second straight title and the fourth in the last seven years. The 1979 title was a changing of the guard, though, as Charlie Sheritz took over the coaching reins from the architect of the dynasty, Larry Neese. By 1982, each of those two would have three state titles, and Columbus would claim six in nine years. The Discoverers used their depth in 1980, as Mike Rambor at 185 was their only individual champion. Gehring, Wymore Southern, and Elm Creek were the other team champions. The Bulldogs of Gehring were completing their own back-to-back. Two three-time individual champs were crowned in February. Wayne Sheen of Gibbon turned the trick in Class C, while Dave Clark of Millard put an unusual twist on it in Class A. Clark had won his first two titles wrestling for his father at Boys Town in Class B. When his father retired from coaching to enter private business, Clark transferred to Millard for his final year and picked up his third gold medal. At the Boys Swim Championships, what might be Nebraska's greatest ever prep dynasty rolled on. Omaha Westside would run away with the state title, easily outdistancing second-place Creighton Prep. 
Westside had tied Lincoln Southeast for the 1966 state crown. And then over the next 20 years, the Warriors would bring home 18 state championship trophies. Westside brought unprecedented depth to the pool in 1980. Eric Olson won the 50 free for their only individual gold. The medley relay team also touched first, but it was the multitude of other places that led to the Warrior win. The girls' state basketball tournament was growing in 1980, but it hadn't grown big enough yet for the Devaney Center. The girls were headquartered at Pershing Auditorium. In preparation for the two tournaments to be staged in March, Condi Sargent of the NSAA predicted that the boys' tourney attendance would again triple the girls. He was right, but the trend lines were telling a different story, as the girls passed 30,000 in attendance for the first time and the boys' total dropped for the third straight year. The girls' game of the year may have happened before the tournament, as undefeated powers Omaha Cathedral and North Bend clashed in a Class C district final in Waterloo. The Cardinals from Omaha used pressure man defense to take a 30-19 advantage at half, but the Tigers' fast break took stage in the second half, closing the margin to 34-31 with just minutes left. Cathedral went into its stall game for the first time all year and hit just enough free throws to claim the number one seed in the state tournament and end the season for the Tigers. There would be no wild cards in classes other than A for more than a decade. Surviving that district championship game, Called a regional in 1980, by the way. Doesn't mean it was easy sailing for the Cardinals and Lincoln as they chased their first ever state title. The number eight seed came out of the far west, and Imperial gave the Omahans all they wanted. Longhorn post player Jan Frosch burned the number one seed for 25 points and might have had more if not for foul trouble. The game went two overtimes before Cathedral's Katie Wilkin, a five foot four guard, grabbed an offensive rebound and scored her first bucket of the game in the final minute to give the Cardinals a 55-53 win. The media dubbed them the Cardiac Cards, and they didn't disappoint in the semis. The Hebron Bears fell behind by 10 and then mounted a furious rally to take a 34-33 lead late in the game. The lead would flip-flop three times before the last 30 seconds brought Hebron heartbreak. The Bears would have three shots rim out, and then their leading scorer, Karen Gertis, was fouled on yet another offensive rebound. The World Herald would run a three-column, half-page reaction photo of Gertis after her second free-throw miss, with the Lincoln High scoreboard in the background telling the story of Cathedral's 39-38 win. Hebron had ended Hastings St. Cecilia's run of three straight Class C state titles in the district championship game. The Cardiac Kids would face one of the tallest teams in the short history of Nebraska girls basketball in the final. The Howells Bobcats, also unbeaten and much less challenged in the tournament so far, would start a lineup that went 5'8", 5'9", 5'9", 5'10", and, for good measure, 6 foot. How do you deal with such height? You shoot over the top, even if you're shooting two-handed. In a sign of the times, Cathedral's big gun, Anne Lazure, was using the old-fashioned two-hand set shot she learned in elementary school to hit 20-foot bombs and put the Cardinals in front for good in the fourth quarter. She continued to shoot that way in leading the team with 14 points and leading the Cardinals to a 44-42 win. Lazure told the papers, People have tried to get me to shoot one-handed. I've tried, but I miss. So I just said, I'm going to keep shooting the way I always have. Good thing for Cathedral, she stuck to her guns. In Class D, it was a school that had been consolidated since 1964, Sumner Eddyville Miller, that prevailed over a field of teams that had consolidation or co-oping in their futures. 
the Roseland Cardinals, the Rising City Terriers, the Adams Hornets, the Elba Blue Jays, the Butte Wildcats, and the Wheatland Spartans. It seems only fitting that the Mustangs, whose moniker sounds like a three-man law firm, would be led through the tournament by a three-girl scoring crew. Michelle Anderson, Tammy Barth, and Nancy Wiseman would combine for 128 points in the three games, including 35 of SEM's 43 in the championship win over Roseland. In Class B, Ashland led the ratings from first printing to season's end when they were the 26-0 state champs. Led by six-foot junior Janae Pancock, the Blue Jays didn't just waltz through the tournament. All three games had their moments, especially the semifinal, when Ashland fans had to be cleared from the Pershing court after a late, inadvertent backcourt foul sent O'Neill to the free-throw line for two free-throws in a 51-49 game. Kate Connolly hit the first, but the pressure-packed second shot rolled out and Ashland survived. The 56-52 championship win over Kimball would be calm in comparison. Kearney entered the Class A tournament as the number one team in the state, but not at full strength. Leading scorer Lynn Rosenloff was lost for the postseason with an injury. The Bearcats needed a wild card to make the field, losing to number 4 Grand Island in the district title game. G.I. and Kearney would win their first-round games to set up a semifinal rematch. The number two and three teams, Lincoln High and Omaha Marion, would be the other semi. G.I., behind All-State captain Kelly Benson's 19 points, would return to the finals for a third straight year. They would meet Lincoln High, which reversed season-long struggles at the charity stripe by hitting 9 of 11 free throws in the fourth quarter to beat Marion. The Lynx made things interesting for themselves in the finals. Leading by nine with a minute 14 left, Coach Bill Myers cleared his bench. It may have been a bit early. Soon the Islanders had the ball and were down only 48-46 with 28 seconds still left. A traveling call gave the ball back to Lincoln, and they returned some starters to the floor to complete the win, 50-46. to Coach Myers said his reserve deserved the chance. If I had it to do all over again, I would do it again. But maybe it would be a few seconds later, he said. The Lynx All-State, uh, All-Stater Lisa Phillips had been held to five points by an Islander box and one, but Lori Trejo and Rhonda Becker responded with 26 combined for the first-time champions. Paula Sue Blecka of Humboldt, Jody Wamsley of Sydney, and Mary Jo Riley of O'Neill would join Phipps and Benson on the All-Nebraska squad in the Omaha paper. A March snowstorm caused havoc with the boys' basketball district finals. Games on Tuesday were impossible to play because of the weather pushing most championships to Wednesday, the eve of the girls' state tournament. In another sign of the second-class approach still in place for the girls, the Westside Omaha North Boys District Final wasn't played until Thursday when the girls' state first-round games were already going on, and no one in the newspapers even batted an eye. The Class A Boys Tournament would have no shortage of star power, Number one Lincoln East was led by the 6'7 Strivens, who would eventually play at Creighton and then Colorado. Number two Omaha Westside had sweet shooting senior Thompson, who would shatter the UNO scoring records, and junior Dave Fletcher, who would star at Hastings College. Defending champ Omaha Northwest had the state's leading scorer in sophomore phenom Ron Kellogg, averaging 25 points a game and representing a 10th grade class that would in time be proclaimed the state's best ever. Kellogg would eventually play at the University of Kansas. 
The opening round at State went pretty much to form. Papillion provided a little drama in eliminating Northwest and Kellogg. Despite having defeated the defending champs by 27 earlier in the year, this one came down to a tie score and a Monarch play twice disrupted by the Huskies tipping the ball. The ball somehow found its way to Papillion post Tim Richards, who had left the basket in the chaos, and he buried a 22-footer for the win, which he called the longest shot I've ever made in high school. Westside cruised past Omaha South, despite a cold shooting night from Thompson. Dean the Dream would summarize his day for the World Herald succinctly. I stunk up the place. That set up one all-metro semifinal as Papio would face Westside and make the other an all-Lincoln affair with Southeast looking to upset East. In the other classes, about the only closely contested game was Fremont Bergen's 64-61 escape from Sandy Creek. Things got more interesting in the semis, though. First, upstart Hardington, playing in its first state tourney since 1955, blitzed the favored Grant squad by 22 points behind Russ Hergert's 26-point barrage. The Wildcats' win was celebrated by Nebraska Governor Charlie Thone, a 1940 Hardington grad, as he watched from the Devaney stands. Bergen survived a last-second shot by the Exeter Eagles to take the other Class C final spot. The governor stuck around to watch another hometown team in the Class B semis as Hardington Cedar Catholic continued its unbeaten season, running away from Sydney 71-47 even though they trailed by six at the half. The other Class B unbeatens, Aurora and Elkhorn Mount Michael, played a contest that came down to the buzzer and beyond. Down two, late in regulation, Aurora made a steal, and Coach Bill Holiday's son Greg converted it into a 30-foot shot and overtime. Aurora got the lead in OT and held on for the win. In Class D, the Humphrey Bulldogs would be that rarest of combination in the state final, 27-0 and a huge underdog. That's because they would be facing the defending champs of Philly, winners of 53 straight games and 78 of the last 79. The dogs came out strong, leading by one after the first, but then the Philly Wildcats caught fire and ran away. After the 48-27 final was settled, Philly coach and amateur poet Eldon Johnson would rhyme, 54 have tried and 54 have died. Hardington, unranked before the tourney, would see its storybook ending ruined by the Bergen Knights. The Fremont Club collected the Class C basketball trophy to go with the Falls C1 football crown. Coach Phil Cluth was in the mood to do more than celebrate. He wanted to serve up some crow after the game. I want to see this in the paper. There were some parents after my job at the school board meeting four years ago, Cluth announced. They said if I was hired again, we wouldn't win four games the next year. Well, we won 17. He quickly realized that coaching is always a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately proposition. Quote, if I was smart, I'd just quit and live on this. In Class B, Aurora would be the bridesmaid again. They fell to Norris in the 1979 final and were run past by the Cedar Catholic fast break in 1980. Cedar shot a blistering 65% from the field and out-rebounded the Huskies 32-21. When Aurora finally got their footing and made a rally, Cedar hit 11 of 12 free throws to ice the title. Only five Trojans scored in the game, but all five were in double figures. Coach Bob Ewing's little brother, Russ, would lead the scoring for Cedar with 29. Yes, that's Russ Ewing who will coach Lincoln High to the 2003 Class A state title. 
The Lincoln teams in the 1980 semis knew each other very well. The Spartans claimed regular season and district wins over the Knights in 80. In 78 and 79, Southeast had beaten East in the district finals. As it usually works in basketball, familiarity breeds defense. The Spartans were averaging 74 points a game, but Southeast, led by football stars Sunberg and Weber, hadn't allowed them more than 54 in any of the previous games. The night defense would be even better this game, holding Strivens to 10 and the Spartans to 46 total. But the East defenders were up to the task, doing their part for a 46-42 hard-fought win. In the other semifinal game, Westside came out hot and rode Thompson's 26-point night to a win over Papillion. That gave Class A the matchup it had been waiting for, and a rematch of the state football final that East had claimed. This time, it would be Westside, wearing Marquette-style untucked jerseys with Warriors under the front numbers, who would come out on top. The Westside fast break was clicking early, and Thompson was being Dean the Dream, racking up a cool 28. Coach Tom Hall had his first state title after being runner-up in 1973. After the game, Hall noted that he'd be unlikely to ever have another player like Thompson, but that the cupboard wasn't bare. He noted his JV had been unbeaten under Coach Rick Kalura. Yes, that's the Rick Kalura who would dominate the 90s at Lincoln Northeast. In an all-state rarity, three left-handers will take first-team honors. Thompson, Strivens, and Northwest's Kellogg are all southpaws. Kellogg became the first sophomore honored as first-team All-Nebraska by the World Herald in 58 years. Jim Goings of Lions and Kevin Penner of Aurora round out the squad. As winter turned to spring in 1980, the NSAA was prepping to stage the last separate boys and girls track meets. Since its inception in 1971, the girls' state meet had been hosted by North Platte, and it would be there for the final time in 1980. The boys' meet had found a home at Burke Stadium on Dodge Street in Omaha after spending stretches in Lincoln's Memorial Stadium and at Kearney State College. The questions facing the NSAA membership were, where to stage next year's combined meet, and would it need to be extended from two to three days? As the girls gathered out west, their meet would go first, Omaha Burke and Nebraska's new track outside the stadium had emerged as the top contenders for the combined meet of 81. Burke would win out, of course, and West Omaha has been the meet's home ever since. And that's another argument for 1980 as the birth of the modern Nebraska sports scene. Oh, and as long as we're back at that, 1980 was also the first year the track meet was measured in metric. The girls' Class A team race in North Platte came down to the final event with Omaha Central holding a small lead over Millard. The Eagles didn't have to win the mile relay, but with star Wanda Hartso anchoring, they won the race, the all-class gold, and the state title. It was their second straight state championship. Hartso had been outdueled in the Open 400 by Omaha North's Cheryl Venables, who set a state record at 57-6. Hartso also placed second in the 800, as Central's only other event win was in the 400-meter relay. Second place Millard shocked the crowd by setting a state record in the 3,200-meter relay, running a full 20 seconds faster than they had at any time during the year. Donna King of Omaha Bryan swept the 100 and 200. She and Venables of North were both sophomores. The move to metric was not the only change, as the distances of the girls' hurdles races and the size of the girls' shot put changed significantly. 
Barb Kindig set the state standard in the new 100-meter hurdles. She also ran on the winning 400 and 1600-meter relay teams. She and her St. Cecilia Hawkettes returned to the top of Class C after a two-year hiatus. The win gave the Hastings School eight state titles in the first decade of state competition for girls. Jan Frosch of Imperial set a state record with the new, heavier shot put. Harrisburg won its third straight Class D trophy behind its winning 3,200-meter relay team. Individually, freshman Carlene Erickson of Wheeler Central came out of the Sand Hills and took the state meet by storm, winning the 1,600 and 3,200-meter runs and setting state records in both in the process. Mary Bolton of Dorchester just edged the ninth grader in the 800 to deny her the triple crown. In Class B, Albion jumped to the top on the legs of Sue Lind. Lind won the long jump by over a foot and then tied her own state record by going 5-9 in the high jump. Gothenburg finished just behind the Cardinals in the team standings. Lori Miller won the 100-meter hurdles for the Swedes. Gothenburg was without defending mile champ Terry Franzen. The senior was still recovering from a car accident which happened a week after the 1979 meet that caused paralysis. Franzen was at the 1980 meet in her wheelchair and even presented Erickson her gold medal. She had an encouraging medical report for the World Herald, saying she was establishing more movement and feeling and even doing some standing with braces. McCook's Carol Nunnally swept the 800, 1600, and 3200. She set a new state record in the half mile and eclipsed Franzen's Class B mile record as well. Like Erickson, Nunnally was just a ninth grader. Once the girls wrapped up out west, attention turned to the boys' meet at Burke. In Class C, Bloomfield seemed an unlikely contender. The Bees had never won a boys' state title in any sport and qualified only three runners for the meet. Good thing Tim Johnson and Daryl Pietzmeyer were two of those three. Pietzmeyer took first in the 300 lows and second in the 110 highs to claim 18 team points. Johnson won the 200. 400, and 800, and for good measure grabbed a sixth place in the 100 to account for 31 points on his own. 49 was enough to outduel Hupper Logan View by three and claim the Class C title. Johnson's 800 time earned him the only non-Class A gold medal on the track. Lincoln Southeast would snatch its first team track title in the school's quarter-century history as Mark McGavish won the Open 400, tying the state meet record in the process and anchoring the winning 1,600 and 3,200-meter relays for the Knights. Bellevue West, just three years old in 1980, would get double gold medals from Mike Ackerman in the 100 and 200 and a Class A triple jump win from T.J. Andrews. Lincoln East wrapped up the year with its third major sport top-two finish, football champs, and runners-up in basketball and track. The Spartans scored big in the weights. Bob Gustafson won the shot, and John Irwin set a new state record in the discus. The Class A high jump didn't quite go as planned. There was a lot of anticipation for the field, which included eight jumpers who had cleared 6'8 or better during the season. But the favorites went out early, and 6'7 won for Grand Island's Tom Rathman. Rathman, who would go on to star for Coach Osborne at Nebraska and for Coach Bill Walsh of the Super Bowl champion 49ers, was only chosen All-State Honorable Mention in football in the fall, but his athletic ability shone through in that high jump competition. 
In Class B, the Aurora boys had been close all year. Ranked number two entering the football playoffs, the Huskies were upset in the quarterfinals by Columbus Lakeview. Undefeated in basketball until the Saturday state final, they fell to Cedar Catholic for their second straight hoops runner-up finish. Finally, on the Saturday of state track, these dogs would have their day. Led by sophomores Les Carter and Shane Bovel, the Huskies ran away from second place McCook, 71-43. Carter won the 300 hurdles and finished second in the 110 highs, switching places in those races with Nebraska City Pioneer and future Husker safety Brett Clark. Carter also anchored the winning 1,600-meter relay. Boville won the 800 and ran the lead leg in that winning 4x4 relay and the champion 2-mile relay. Football and basketball All-Stater Kevin Penner added a third place in the 100 and ran a 1,600 leg as well. Clark put Nebraska City in the number three spot with those hurdles points and a championship leap in the long jump. Tom Christians was a double winner for Sydney, taking the 200 and the 400. Class B fans were denied the discus duel they had anticipated all year when Skyler Jr. Marty Kobza failed to qualify in districts. He won the shot with his cutting-edge spin technique, but Superior's big man Rick Meyer was left unchallenged to win the discus. Those two still occupy prominent spots on the weight charts 36 years later. Future Dallas Cowboy tight end Jay Novacek was the star of the first day, setting a meet record in the pole vault for Gothenburg. The future Super Bowl champ outleaped teammate and two-time defending champ Leonard Ambler, who finished third. Beamer would add the Class D track trophy to its eight-man one football championship from the fall. All six state track qualifiers for the Bobcats played for the football champs. Beamer rode wins in the 400 and 1600-meter relays to their margin over second-place Elwood. Bart Woodward of Overton in the 100 and 400 and Steve Drywer of Bradshaw in the hurdles races were double Class D winners. At State Boys Golf, Lincoln Southeast claimed its fourth straight title, besting runner-up Millard by seven strokes. The best golfers from those two schools faced off in a playoff for the individual medal. Knight Scott Howarder prevailed over Millard's James Seekman. In Class B, Wood River used a team effort to edge Albion by one stroke. Mark McCumber's 10th place finish was the Eagles' best, but team depth outdid the Cardinals and individual medalist Jay Bolin. In Class C, Oakland Craig was just embarking on Nebraska's greatest golf dynasty. The Knights won their third state title in four years in 1980 and would win nine more in a row to follow. Randy Carlson and Paul Gahan finished second and fourth individually to lead OC. Bruce Merchant of Norfolk Catholic was the individual champion. In Class B girls tennis, Omaha Duchenne claimed the title despite not having a single seeded player entering the tournament. That was more a question of scheduling than talent, though, as the Cardinals, including defending number one single state champ Mimi Maguiera, hadn't played the minimum six matches needed to qualify for seeding consideration. Maguiera's sister Karen, the Duchenne coach, said the Cardinals had no idea there was such a rule, but added, we decided we would show them. Show them they did. The younger Maguiera defeated the one and three seeds in the quarters and semis before taking the title in straight sets at number one singles. Both Cardinal doubles teams also topped multiple seeded teams on the way to state titles. In the end, the unseeded girls from Omaha nearly doubled the total of runner-up Scott's Bluff, 
54-28. It was the first of six straight Duchenne State Tennis titles. As the Cardinals were starting that streak, Omaha Westside was putting a bow on top of theirs in Class A. Wins in both doubles brackets gave the Warriors a fifth straight championship trophy. Stacy Swanson of Grand Island was the number one singles champ. She would win again in 1981 to match her sister Anne's titles in 78 and 79. Soccer was not an NSAA-sanctioned sport yet. That was still eight years away. But many Omaha-area schools competed at the club level. Creighton Prep won the boys' state tournament, called the Xenon Cup, though I've never been able to find out why. The Junior Jays defeated Omaha Westside 2-1 at UNO's Coniglia Field, reversing the finals results from the previous two years. On the girls' side, Papillion reversed its only loss of the season to top Omaha Holy Name 1-0 and claim the McGuire Cup, the girls' state crown. The Monarchs' goal by Stacy Wheatley came on a penalty kick after two overtimes. One spring team sport was offered by the NSAA in 1980, baseball. But it wasn't anywhere near a statewide competition, as almost every team was located in Omaha or Lincoln or just a few miles away from those cities. The exception was Wakefield, a town that likes to think of itself as Nebraska's baseball capital. The small school was playing Class B baseball, the smallest offered in 1980, and they were playing it well. The Trojans, who were more than two hours from any other high school baseball team in the state, played an abbreviated schedule of eight games before districts, but still completed a perfect 13-0 season by dumping Omaha Ryan in the Class B title game. Wakefield would plate the winning run on a bases-loaded walk in the bottom of the seventh and final inning. The Trojans were led by four All-Staters, first baseman Barry Jones, shortstop Tom Preston, outfielder Scott Hallstrom, and 8 no pitcher Rick Guy. In Class A, Omaha Ron Colley played giant killer in districts, ending the seasons of Metro Conference champion Omaha Northwest and 22-win Creighton Prep. In those days, the state high school baseball tournament was limited to just four district champions and with single elimination. The Crimson Pride took their run all the way to the state title game before dropping a 1-0 extra inning game to Millard. The Indians, it would be years before Millard South would change that to Patriots, brought in the game's only run on a perfect suicide bunt by Mike Byer in the final inning. The World Herald's Robert Taylor captured a great photograph of the play with the ball just off Byer's bat and Randy Silva already tearing down the third base line with the winning run. Millard playing without a direction attached to its name, is also a sign of the changing times. One reason that Omaha would so dominate Class A in the coming decade of the 80s was that the growth of the suburban schools, for example, Millard becoming two Class A schools after being a Class D school just 15 years before in 1965, would make about half of the schools in Class A from Omaha or the surrounding suburbs. Chuck Christensen and Dan Kreitzer were baseball all-state selections for Millard. Larry Klein and Wayne Dannenberg were honored for Ron Colley. All-state first baseman Greg Larson of Omaha Northwest led the state in hitting at a 427 clip. Larson and his Husky teammates would fare better in the more state-inclusive American Legion summer season. They would defeat host Hastings for the Class A title in August. Wakefield would fall just short of the spring-summer double, losing to Wayne in the Class B summer title game. 
Arlington would claim Class C with a win over the combined squad of Bertrand Loomis. Kelly Benson of Grand Island was tabbed the Girl Athlete of the Year by both major newspapers. Benson was All-State in volleyball and basketball and a state high jump champion as a junior. She led the Islanders to the 1978 state volleyball title and the 1979 basketball crown. Her basketball teams also played in the finals in 78 and 80. She went on to start 87 basketball games at the University of Nebraska. After her playing career, Kelly Benson Jeffries would continue winning games as a coach at her alma mater. She would lead the GI girls basketball team to 231 wins and four state tournaments, and she coached the Islander girls golfers to the 2011 state championship. The Lincoln and Omaha papers would split about the Boy Athlete of the Year award. For the Lincoln Journal Star, the winner was on the field with us in the fall at that argumentative playoff game, Lincoln Southeast Bill Weber. Weber was not only all-Nebraska in football, but was all-city in both baseball and basketball for the Knights. He would play defensive line at Nebraska, lettering four years. He was named Academic All-America three times and second-team All-Big Eight as a senior. That said, I think I agree more with the World Herald selection of Aurora's Kevin Penner. Penner was all-Class B in football, second-team All-Nebraska, first-team All-Nebraska in basketball, and was a key part of Aurora's state champion track team, winning two relay golds. Oh, and his school didn't offer his best sport, baseball. Playing for the Aurora American Legion squad in the summer, Penner earned a scholarship to baseball power Wichita State, where he started on the 1982 College World Series, runners-up. I remember Penner taking a beanball in the eye in that 82 CWS and the hush that fell over the Omaha crowd. It was feared he might not play baseball again, as the eye socket had to be surgically repaired. He overcame all that to have a great college career, including playing with the United States team in the 1983 Pan American Games and earning All-American honors as a senior in 85. Of course, in hindsight, one could make arguments for several other athletes in 1980. Tom Rathman comes to mind right away with his storied college and professional football career, including multiple Super Bowl wins and a Pro Bowl selection. Besides football and the high jump, he was also part of Grand Island's district championship basketball team. But maybe Rathman wasn't even Islander Athlete of the Year. Harry Griminger parlayed his All-Nebraska football honors in high school into All-American honors for the Huskers as he paved the way for the great offenses of the early 1980s. Another NFL player in the class could have made a great choice as well. Nebraska City's Brett Clark was All-Nebraska football, a state champion hurdler and long jumper, as well as honorable mention All-State basketball. Clark would start at Nebraska in the defensive backfield and play for the Tampa Bay Bandits of the USFL and the Atlanta Falcons of the NFL. Any of those athletes would have been worthy of the honor. On the other hand, maybe the most tempting hindsight choice is Mark Trainowitz of Bellevue West. He was All-Nebraska in football, state heavyweight champ in wrestling, and a medalist in both the shot and disc at state track. He went on to be a consensus offensive line All-American at Nebraska and played six years in the NFL with the Bills and Cardinals. This, who should have been the Athlete of the Year game, is fun and may show up as a special episode of Suiting Up Varsity in the future. For now, though, we've come to the end of our look at the 1979-1980 school year. 
we've seen signs of many of the issues and forces that define modern high school sports in the state. From the football playoffs leading the tide of statewide competition and focus, to the girls finally getting their time on the court and the field. From parents and players taking on administrators and coaches at school board meetings and in the courtroom, to the growing pressure to compete year-round in order to compete in-season. 1980 was a watershed year for Nebraska high school sports and the gateway to our modern age. I hope you've enjoyed our trip back in time, and we look forward to sharing other stories and memories from the prep history books. Until next time, this has been Suiting Up Varsity. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity. See us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SuitingUpVarsity. When you get there, you can ask questions about Nebraska high school sports history, leave suggestions for future episodes, argue about who the 1980 Athlete of the Year should have been, or answer this episode's trivia question. Who was the last sophomore honored as All-Nebraska Basketball by the Omaha World Herald before Omaha Northwest's Ron Kellogg in 1980? We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on iTunes or wherever else you find your podcast. It helps others to find our show. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, Volume 1, Number 1, written and produced by me, Greg Mays, technical and research assistance by Tate Mays, helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai, and as always, dedicated to Jerry Mather, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast.